Good evening. So as David said, I'm Rachel, for those of you who don't know me. Um, I'm here this evening with my husband and my little boy, Zach. So if you hear um, someone heckling, particularly if they're saying, uh-oh, that's him, um, who knows whether it's, a, whether it's a verdict on what I'm saying or not, to be honest. Um, we are in week number three of a series we've started called God on Mute. It's a series all about unanswered prayer, and it's based on a book by Pete Gregg. Uh, Last week, Devita spoke really helpfully on the question, how am I going to get through this? It was very practical and really helpful. I wasn't able to be here last week because I had COVID, um, but I listened back, and that was great. And so I do encourage you, if you weren't here, do listen back. Um, It's really easy to find via the St. Jude's website. Um, So this week, we're going to take a look at a really short passage um, taken from Jesus' time on the cross. We're going to ask another really big question. Why does God allow suffering? So here's my big disclaimer to start. For so many reasons, we will not be able to cover everything. This is not an easy question, it's not an easy subject, and there is no easy, succinct um, answer. Possibly there's no answer at all. But together we're going to take a look at some of the things that Pete Gregg talks about, and we're going to have a think. This subject feels like a particularly real and personal subject. I don't know how you're feeling this evening. I've had a complete mind blank, but I know that first song that we sang, I can't remember what it was, but I was thinking, it's not always easy to sing those words. I don't know how easy you found it. I don't know how easy it is for you to declare at the moment that God's plans are still to prosper for you. I don't know what suffering you have faced or what suffering you are facing. But I do know that you, as I have, will have faced suffering at some point or another. So I just want to make it really clear from the start. If this is something that you're particularly struggling with, or that strikes a chord at this point in time, please, please speak to or pray with someone you trust. Whether it's tonight and here or on the phone on the way home, please don't keep it to yourself. You don't have to face any of it alone. Whatever your suffering is, whatever your questions for God are, If it's helpful, there are also some really good resources on this subject, um, some by Pete Gregg and others that he recommends. Um, I've got a slide with them on, but also we can put it up maybe at the end, um, so that if you want to do some more research, some more thinking, um, then, then you can go away and there are some good sources to start with. The most important thing I felt um, when praying about tonight was I really felt like God said that this is a conversation, this question is a conversation that he wants to be having with you. It's not about what I say or about what Pete Gregg says in his book. God really wants to speak to you 
on this matter. We can look at some kind of theological thoughts and understandings, and we will do that, and it's important to do that, and that might be helpful, but ultimately, if you're suffering and you don't know where God is in that right now, whatever I say next isn't going to make you feel better. But God knows. He knows your suffering, and it's him It's him who can make the difference for you this evening. He's the only one who can hear you, who can understand you, and can answer your questions. So as I say, we'll take a quick look um, briefly at what Pete Gregg says to this question, why does God allow suffering? But I'm also going to make sure that at the end we have a really good space of time to pray and to seek God on that so that he too can continue to answer these questions that we may have. So as we begin, we're going to have our Bible reading taken from Mark chapter 15. Okay, please, can you read 25 to 34? I can. Uh, So Mark chapter 15, verses 25 through to 34, and it's on page 1023 if you've got these uh, handy uh, blue Bibles near to you. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he is calling Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Adam. So that passage we just heard, we've got Jesus, God's own son, and he's facing the brutality of the cross. Jesus, who is fully human, but also fully God. Jesus, who has spent his earthly ministry in communion, in conversation with the Father. He's often found alone and praying to him. And yet at this moment, as he speaks to his father, he conveys and articulates a question we've possibly all asked. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know how you picture this scene. Uh, Thank you, Adam, for reading louder when it said he said loudly. Um, But I think it can be easy to read it in quite a kind of 
straightforward way, quite calmly if we're not careful. I don't think that's how it would have been. Jesus was in agony. He was using his dying breaths to ask this question and it, and it states he said it loudly. I imagine it rising from his gut into his mouth, unable to let the question escape. It just bursts out, angry, hurt, desperate, lonely. This cry, I almost want to do it, but also I wouldn't do it justice. But a kind of, you know, that pit of your stomach scream, the loudest of loud, as if you're in a concert and you need to be heard above everything else. As if you're in the middle of a field and no one else is there and you can let it all out. He cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I wonder if you can relate. The pain, the agony. I don't know about you, but I find it so reassuring to read these words coming from Jesus's mouth. The son of God, yet in the moment of his greatest suffering, he felt deserted by God. And he felt able to tell God that that was how he felt. And as far as I can see, the response that Jesus got from heaven was silence. I wonder if you relate to that too. That screaming out to God and yet feeling like you hear nothing in return. And God may not always answer our difficult questions. But he does allow us and he wants us to ask those questions of him. Our example, Jesus cries out to God in his despair at his point, at disappointment, at the suffering he's facing. And we too can do the same if you need to. And if you need it, this passage, this passage is your permission to ask God the difficult questions. So Pete Gregg um, kind of breaks down and gives kind of three, he calls them categories, but I guess they're kind of like reasons why God might allow or why there is suffering in the world um, when he's addressing this question. And we're just going to look at them really quickly. He talks about God's world, God's will, and God's war. So God's world. The world is God's. He is the creator. And when God created it, he established certain principles, um, such as the laws of nature and science. These principles make the world work, and most of the time, for most people, they make the world work well. Um, I'm no scientist, I don't have very good um, understanding of these kind of things, but I do um, know that our planet, for it to be in existence, um, needs to be able to maintain a whole bunch of things that seems impossible, really. Um, like enough gravity and oxygen and, and countless other things that someone else would be able to explain to you in much more detail. 
Really, it's miraculous that everything is balanced just right. So when God responds to the prayers of his people in a miraculous way, by definition, he is breaking one of his own principles or of laws of, for example, science or nature. So um, I've got a, di- a dictionary blah, 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 definition of miracle because I, I love a dictionary definition. Um, so it says, an extraordinary and welcome event is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to a divine agency. So a miracle, the whole point of it, as I'm sure we know, can't just happen naturally. The whole point is something different happens than should have happened. So Pete Gregg therefore says that we shouldn't expect God to behave like some mad inventor continually tinkering with his creation. He's not a control freak either. Most of the time, God sits back and lets nature take its course. So what Pete says is that miracles have to be rare. By definition, because they're something outside of the normal, they have to be rare. And that often means that miracles are rarer than we'd like. It's not because God doesn't love us, but because his world is infinitely complicated. So that is the first um, of three reasons Pete Gregg gives for why there might be suffering in the world. That might be helpful, but it really only takes us so far. It certainly, certainly doesn't explain everything. So the second he gives is God's will. In John 14, 12 to 14, we read... Absolutely no way I'm going to be able to read that. Yes, please. Yes, please. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Thank you. So Jesus says that his followers will do even greater things than Jesus himself did. And we read throughout the Gospels of Jesus performing many miracles and ending much suffering. But also in that passage, there is a condition. Jesus says we'll be able to do whatever we ask in his name. Jesus' promise is conditional in our prayers being made in the name of Jesus. Now, that doesn't just mean saying, in the name of Jesus, I pray, and following it with anything we like. It really means lining up our desires with God's desires and our prayers with God's purposes. And we can only do that if we know what God's desires and God's purposes are. So um, Pete talks about some different things that we can do to uh, learn what God's desires and purposes are. He talks about reading and absorbing the Bible. He talks about making time to hear from God in prayer. 
It talks about spending time with those who know God better than we do in fellowship and seeking wise counsel. So these are some of the things we can do. There are plenty of others, but to get to know God better so that when we pray, we're able to pray in line with his desires and purposes. And if we want to be able to do that, then we have to be intentional about getting to know God better. And that will take time. The more we pray in line with the will of God, the more likely we are to see God answer our prayers. If we're praying for things that are ungodly, God is not going to make them happen. However, I am not for one moment trying to say that if your prayers are in line with the purpose and desires of God, that they will definitely be answered and be answered the way we'd like. I know from my life, that's just not how it works. Five or six years ago, I was... um, living in Greater London and I was part of another church and and I was meant to be preaching that evening and um, I'd been away with some friends and I heard on the way back that someone in our church, um, he was a guy in his 50s, worship leader, huge part of our church, he'd been at another church in the morning leading worship and he'd had a huge stroke and he was in hospital. And that evening... I didn't preach. The whole church prayed. We prayed the whole evening and it just felt so like the right thing to be praying was that he would live for his sake, for his wife's sake, for his son's sake, for the church's sake. This man of God, it felt like the right thing to pray. And I'm not saying it wasn't. But ultimately, he didn't make it. I'm sure that praying that he would be okay, that he would survive, that God would intervene and provide a miracle, I'm sure that was in line with God. I'm sure that was the right thing to pray, but it didn't happen. Sometimes we just don't understand God and his will. And sometimes when we're in that place of suffering and in terrible pain, we just need to trust that our Heavenly Father understands the things we can't. And instead of, I don't know, instead we just have to lean into his love. Kids are really good at that. Um, Zach this week as well as I, has had COVID and he's had three teeth come through. Now, for those of you who don't have kids, can't explain to you how bad teething is. Like, obviously, teeth are great, right? You and I, we have teeth, we want teeth, we want to look after our teeth. They're brilliant because it helps you eat food. Food is the best. Who doesn't love a good meal? Imagine trying to eat your favourite food and having no teeth and how difficult that would be. It's a really good thing to have teeth. Try telling Zach that. He's a year, he has no idea, his mouth just hurts a lot. 
I can't explain to him that it'll be better, that he can eat more foods, that it's really exciting. He just is in pain and he wants me to do something about it. All he can allow me to do is to comfort him with love and with cowpole. <laughs> but often as we grow up, sometimes our trust kind of wavers a bit. We expect to be able to understand everything. And if we're not careful, we can lose our capacity to trust in the things that we don't understand, in the things that we will never be able to understand. But we can trust that our Heavenly Father is good and we can lean into him and his love despite our suffering. And we can trust that one day we will understand. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So the third and final reason that um, Pete Gregg gives is about God's war. Some prayers aren't answered because there is an enemy in our world who oppresses, resists, and attacks God's, good, God's goodness. And as Christians, we aren't shielded from that. In fact, we are often the target. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Evil is a reality in our world. We can tend to automatically blame God for everything that goes wrong. But instead of fighting against God, we need to start fighting with God against the enemy. There's so much more that could be said on all of those reasons, particularly on spiritual warfare. And Pete Gregg says some really good stuff. So as I said, please, if any of this has kind of struck a chord and you want to do some more thinking, some more research, do some more reading, come and have some chats with people. Um, you know, it's, it's such a huge question. And this, this barely, barely breaks the iceberg, like, of, of thinking about it. But let's be real. These arguments, as I said before, are of some help for sure. They might help us to have a bit more understanding. But they're not alone going to bring you real, deep, true comfort in your grief and your suffering. Only God himself can do that. So as I finish, I want to bring us back to that image of Jesus hanging on the cross. In agony, crying out to God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know what your suffering is. 
Maybe today on Mother's Day it's particularly difficult. Maybe you can't watch the news anymore because watching the suffering of people in Ukraine is just too heartbreaking. Maybe it's the racism you've been experiencing. Whatever it is, whatever you're suffering, God is here. And as I prayed, I really felt like God was almost saying that that maybe someone or some of us need to almost let out that cry. To really cry it out. To ask God from the depths of your soul the really difficult questions. Maybe the questions you've been trying to keep in and you've been trying to keep in for a long time. To ask God where on earth he is in all you're facing. To show himself to you in your suffering. And I really felt like not only might there be someone or some people who need to do that, but that that God really wants you to do that. He wants you to be able to let out your cry. If God the Son asked, then so can you. You have permission to ask the difficult things of God and to wait to hear him respond. God the Father will not be offended. He loves you and he longs to comfort you. It is safe here to do that. He is a safe person to ask those questions of. So we're going to spend some time And I really want to encourage you, if it's helpful, if you'd like some more privacy, like spread out, there is a whole church here. If you need to go and find a quiet corner where you can cry out to God, do that. Whether you cry out loud or in the silence, God is here. He wants to have a conversation with you. He knows you're hurting and you're suffering and he wants to comfort you. So as Sam leads us, let's just pray and we'll worship God together. God, we can't begin to fully understand why you allow suffering. But we do know that you are good and that you are God. We know that you are here with us and we ask you to come now and to meet with people that as people are vulnerable and open up to you, that you would meet with them and that you would begin to help them understand where you are in their lives right now. So please come, Lord Jesus, and meet with your people afresh. Hear our cries and answer our prayers. Amen. And I do just want to encourage, if anyone would like to pray with someone, then please do that. Please come and find one of us. It would be an honour and a privilege to do that.